going to start our service tonight with number 620, He Will Hide Me When the Storms of Life Are Raging, Tempest, Wild, On Sea and Land, I Will Seek a Place of Refuge in the Shadow of God's Hand. We'll stand, please, as we worship. Let's bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer, and every one, every believer, certainly asking for the Lord to bless the Word to your heart tonight, and the Spirit would apply it to each one as we come to seek Him now. Our loving God and Father, we are thankful tonight for the return of the evening service, another blessed gracious privilege we have 
of being found in the place of prayer. The Word of God open. The freedom and liberty to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. And Lord, we pray that we will guard that liberty and pray much for its protection in our land. We ask, Lord, that we might be bold for our God, filled with the Spirit of the Lord, equipped each day to take our stand for truth and righteousness and the crown rights of King Jesus. We know, Lord, that we are saved today not because of anything we have done. We are saved by sovereign grace. And tonight we are thankful that we've been washed in the precious blood of Jesus. And we today have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thankful for the great truth we are justified fully and freely, and we've been brought into a relationship. We've been brought into covenant relationship. We have been made the sons and daughters of the Most High. And for this, our Father, we lift our hands in praise. We lift our voices in worship. And we ask that we be very, very conscious of the Spirit moving in our souls tonight, reinforcing the truth of Scripture to our minds, and, Lord, enabling us to go forward to be a bright testimony, a witness, so that the world, when they see us, they will know that there's something different, Lord, that we have been with Christ. And indeed, Father, you would open up many opportunities for us to share our faith. We ask that as the ungodly look at our lives and they see stability in the midst of chaos, they they see peace in a world that is upside down with anger and violence and distress, and that, Lord, You would make use of us to point sinners to Christ. Hear our prayer tonight. Remember, Lord, the sick ones in our fellowship. We pray this evening for our brother Steve Kelly. Lord, support and strengthen and bless him. Remember Serene, our brother Ron. Remember, we pray, Reverend Bodner, help him at this time. And Lord, others who are facing surgery, perhaps some treatment, some other thing that's discouraging the heart, a spiritual battle, a trial, something that is heavy, too heavy to bear ourselves, Lord. We are very thankful and happy to commit our way and our everything unto our God. Remember those shut in. Remember the senior members of our church. Lord, bless them abundantly. Give them stability on their feet and give them great peace in their heart. And, O Lord, let that prophecy be fulfilled in their life 
that the righteous shall shine brighter and brighter unto that perfect day. Lord, keep us from the temptations and the sins of the flesh. Let not the world or the flesh or the devil have victory in our lives in any way. Defeat the devil. Give us grace to resist him that he will flee from us. Defeat the devil in his attempt, Lord, to destroy our families, to divide between husband and wife and children and parents. And grant to us household salvation. And grant to us, Lord, we pray, great peace in all of our families. Hear our prayer. Build us up. Strengthen us. Unite us in the faith. Unite us, O God, so that we as a congregation of Your people might go forward conquering and to conquer in the spiritual sense, Lord, that we will be great servants of the Most High God. Bless us this coming Saturday at the Highland Creek Outreach. Lord, bless every gospel tract, every Bible that is given out. And we pray that the testimony of each one who will be there will shine very brightly for the Lord. Bless the time of prayer tomorrow night, Tuesday night as well. And dear Father, bless us for the session and board meeting on Thursday night and all the meetings, great and small, many or few, cover us with the umbrella of Your blessing that we might walk peaceably and faithfully and honestly and honorably before You. So, Father, hear our prayer tonight, for we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise. Number 625, Who Can Divide Us? We'll stand to sing.
a paraphrase of Romans chapter 8, and it is taken from verses 31 to 35. You could tell immediately as you're singing through these stanzas how full of the Word of God they are, and rightly so. Great truth they have. Verse 5 says, The Savior died, but rose again, triumphant from the grave, and pleads our cause at God's right hand, omnipotent to save. What great hope there is for you, Christian, tonight for us, because we know that Christ is alive, that He's praying for us now. And no matter what's going on in the world, let us come back to the anchor of our soul, the Word of God. Let's come back to stand with confidence and faith on that great promise that we cannot we cannot be removed from the hand of God. We will never be cast off into hell. In Christ we are held firmly and truly and eternally. Because He lives, we have life also and eternal life. And so, what ills though the accuser roar? We were singing about that this morning, of ills that I have done. Well, there may be many. But you know, in the eyes of the Lord... We are guiltless tonight because we're covered by the blood of our Redeemer. Who then can ever divide us more from Jesus and His love or break the sacred chain that binds the earth to heaven above? And the answer, of course, is no one, nothing. It is impossible, for that's a sovereign. That's an eternal chain. That's a divine, a Christ-derived chain, and we are held by Him forever and forever. We must sing these last two verses. You may be seated. That's good singing tonight. And I do not know why we have not sung that particular hymn more often. In my records, I think we have only sung it once before, but we will indeed be singing it again. Great truth, great confidence, and great joy in rejoicing in our God. Reading tonight in the Word of the Lord from the book of Philippians chapter 4. book of Philippians, chapter 4, reading at verse 4, down to verse 20. You will see as we read through this, 
and the certain verses filled with confidence of the Apostle Paul and how they could well have been written by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation, your patience be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful, be full of care for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. By the way, that would be another application, wouldn't it? When these three men said to Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you on this matter. Why were they not careful or full of care? Well, it's because they were men of prayer. They had committed their way unto God. They were trusting in the Lord, and it didn't matter what else was going to happen because they were held in the center of God's sovereign will and purpose. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by 
Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord, as always, will add His own blessing to the Word of God as we have read. It is His Word. It is holy, infallible, inspired, inerrant. It is given and revealed so that we might know the way to God, so that we might know how we can live for Him. I want to welcome you tonight to our evening service. It's very good to see you all in person and uh, those of you visiting online. Especially it's a joy for us to see our sister Serene in the service again tonight. Uh, We have been praying much for you and uh, certainly in our prayer time this afternoon we ask that the Lord's hand would continue to be upon you. And our brother Ron in the service tonight, we've been remembering you brother very much in the Lord and so uh, it's good to see you folks. It's also good to see Brother Jonathan Bryant with us tonight in the service. Good to have you, my brother, and uh, you're very welcome here, and it's happy, we're happy that everyone's able to join. Now, if I don't have your name, you're visiting with us for the first time, you've come back again, you're very, very welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We had the first of our three special times of prayer this afternoon, and I was very encouraged by the turnout downstairs and those also online and tomorrow night and Tuesday at 7.30. If you're able to attend, come along that we might multiply our praying before the Lord and uh, press the battle to the gates that we might know His presence with us. Now, in light of that, there will be no Wednesday night meeting this week, no midweek meeting, but we will be having our session and board a meeting on Thursday evening at 6 and 7.30. Please remember also after the service tonight, uh, we will be meeting for our Sunday School Committee meeting and we will meet down in the sunshine room downstairs, usually about 15 minutes after uh, the close of the evening service. Our Highland Creek outreach will be this Saturday from 10 to 4. And please see Brother Kingsley Jew if you want to know any further details about that. And uh, we appreciate if you would come and be a part of that outreach. Next Lord's Day, our Sunday school class is 9.55, morning and evening service, 11.630. And coming up the last couple of weeks before we take the summer break for our Sunday school and Bible classes, and so please remember all that's going on at this time. July the 1st, Canada Day, having a church family barbecue, and you're very welcome. Invite neighbors or friends who would like to come along. There'll be a list at the back just to put down how many folks you intend to come with you and your family so we can prepare for uh, the food. Those are all the ministry announcements we have at this time. want to ask you to continue, please, in your prayer for our school. Downstairs we are set up for our exams and the collegiate going through their exams. They started last Thursday, I believe it was, and uh, went for Friday, and then it'll be Monday to Friday this incoming week. I know that our collegiate students would greatly appreciate your prayers for them and uh, praying also for our staff members. 
and that the Lord would just put His covering arms of protection around all our school. Of course, it is the largest ministry that we have. And when you think about that and the responsibility and all of the teaching staff, we daily covet your prayers for God's protection and for blessing and for His salvation work in the hearts of the children and uh, to encourage those young people who have made a profession that they will go on with God and that they will say, I want to know the leading of God in my life for service and praying for them as they will go, especially the grade 12s, as they'll be graduating and going on to further education next year. It will be the graduation of the 8 and 12 coming up in another week's time, and that will primarily be for uh, the students and their families, but the rest of the congregation is also welcome to attend all of those uh, meetings. We are going to turn now, please, in our Bibles for evening message tonight to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. We have one more hymn to sing, but we'll do that at the end of our meeting. Daniel chapter 3, we're going to read from verse 13 down to 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God? that shall deliver you out of my hands. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand. But if not... Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage, his countenance, was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont or able to be heated. 
and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste, and spake and said unto the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace, and he spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. May the Lord bless as we have read again these very familiar and yet powerful words. Please we'll bow for a word of prayer. Lord, help us now tonight as we once more have the Word open to us. Lord, open our hearts to this familiar passage. Open our minds and apply the truth to us in a way in which it has not been applied before. Make this portion similar to what the children of Israel were facing when they were going to go over Jordan. They had not been this way heretofore. Well, I pray that the truth would be applied to us as if we had not been this way before. And the Lord, we would be helped and encouraged, and blessed. Hear us tonight. Lord, what about those who are still unsaved? What will you do with them tonight, Lord, hearing this Word in person or online? Is it not time, Father, for them to be saved Is it not time, Lord, for you to work effectually upon their spirits? Hear our prayer. Answer our prayer. Because we ask humbly in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. I want you to think tonight with me as we consider this portion 
about Christ with us in the fire of affliction. Last Lord's Day evening, we consider the dramatic account of the burning fiery furnace and the three Hebrew men. In a relatively small number of verses, there is recorded the most thrilling and detailed account that it's full of action, bravery, humility, rage, and, of course, the faithful stand of these three young men. Their refusal to bow before the image set up by Nebuchadnezzar, it sparked a public scandal that I'm sure hit the headlines of the Babylonian times. Their crime was treason for disobedience to the king's law. The personal conviction of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was really the courage of their faith and the determination they had to obey the Lord full stop. So into the fire they must go. And this superheated oven consumed even those that came near. Did you notice when it said, because the king's commandment was urgent? In other words, these mighty men that had bound them, there was such an urgency in the fury of Nebuchadnezzar that they did not even use what would have been the normal steps of caution, how they could have got near enough to the furnace without being burned themselves. But they had to rush too close, and they were consumed by one of those blasts that came out of that furnace. But it was not long before Nebuchadnezzar was startled by a fourth person in the fire. Whatever he saw, we do not know, but it was evident it was not an ordinary being. And none of those in the fire were the least bit affected by the heat or the flame. This was not just unusual I almost think it would have sent a very cold chill down the back of the king as he stepped as close as he dared to the opening of the fire, and he requested, get this, now he's asking them to please come out. They were not in a rush to get out of the fire. They were happy in the fire. And it wasn't until Nebuchadnezzar literally pleaded with them, please, come out. Nebuchadnezzar didn't know who the fourth one in the fire was. Perhaps a son of the gods, an angel. But you and I know who it was. And every believer knows who it was. It was the Lord who was with them in the fire. It was the Savior who was there with them. And as we think about this again tonight, I pray the Lord will help us 
to take our stand when facing the fires of adversity and to be confident that our Lord is with us and that He will not forsake us no matter how heated the trial becomes, no matter, friend, how vicious the flames would be to consume us. Our Lord stands with us. Notice, please, the first thing I want us to learn tonight. It is this, that God-fearing people are not immune from serious persecution. It's a very common mistake that believers make to assume that when the rough times come in life that we have done something wrong, that God is not happy with us, that we have done some sin and are being therefore punished, or that it is just not fair, and that we are suffering some prolonged and repeated problem, and it's just not right. It's just not fair. That's a mistake that we have made before, and perhaps a word of caution for everyone who is a true believer that we don't step into that area of error. Often the cry goes up, does it not? Why me? When such cases come to us, we should really be responding, why not me? Why would we think that we are, we are in a place where we should escape some trial? Do we think that we have lived such a righteous life that we have extra points with the Lord and therefore we don't have any deserve of any of this? Why not me instead of why me? You know, a scant view of Bible history it will become very, very clear that God's people have always suffered at the hands of wicked men, ultimately inspired by Satan. The war against God and the purposes of the Lord and against His people, it's been from the beginning of time. And so we learn, for example, from the record given to us of Israel suffering in Egypt they went through the trial of cruel mockings and of scourgings and of reproach. And God reminds us about the faithful prophets of Micaiah and Jeremiah. They were thrown into prison for speaking the truth. Abel was killed for offering the right sacrifice. James was killed by the sword of Herod. And this was the case of these three Hebrew men. They had done no wrong. They had behaved themselves wisely in the kingdom. And they had done above their duty, and they were faithful, and they were 
willing to fulfill the duty that was upon them in Babylon, in their foreign land of captivity, as far as they could go in conscience, serving and honoring a heathen king. They were honest, and they were honorable people. I don't think you could probably find three better characters, but they were hated for their righteousness of those around them, and the simple reason is that they would not, they would not conform to the sinful ways of a society that they were in. A society that was consumed with pleasure, a society that wanted anything for a peaceful life. And therefore, all the people were prepared at the sound of the music to come and bow down before the image. So what? If the king commands it, I'll do it so we can get on with our life. Yes, friend, you can go the way of the world, and for the most part it will be smooth sailing. But there will be a price to pay, the dishonor of Christ, and the danger of losing your own soul in hell forever because you lived your life in deception, maybe, thinking all was well with a shallow confession, receiving some sort of confirmation of your faith, but no real change of heart. Be not deceived, friends. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a person sows, that will they also reap. And what can we say about the sufferings of our Lord Jesus, who died the just one for the unjust ones? He suffered at the hands of wicked men. He who led the way, we could say, of being treated unjustly and unfairly, He was accused of blasphemy. He was misrepresented. He was accused of lying, of being possessed of a devil. The holy, harmless, undefiled Son of God, He was not immune from these accusations against Him. These serious threats and persecutions brought against Him, and He is the one who suffered all the way to the cross, and He suffered in order that you and I could be set free. I know, and you know it was by the determinate counsel of God that Christ Jesus went to the cross. Peter makes that very clear in the book of Acts that yes, it was God's sovereign purpose that Christ should die, that an atonement should be made. But he goes on to say, but it was at the result of the wicked hands of wicked, satanically motivated men that Christ would be crucified. And we think about ourselves and where we have suffered, and if they call the master of our house Beelzebub, the devil, What will they not say about His people? We should only expect it, friends. The righteous, 
will suffer for the cause of Christ. And therefore, I say tonight, let us walk with our spiritual eyes open and know the Scripture and realize that if we intend to be faithful for our Lord Jesus and His Word, then we who live godly in Christ Jesus, we shall suffer persecution. It's a promise that Jesus gave. But we also learn from this portion tonight, when Nebuchadnezzar looked and saw a fourth one in the fire, Christ was with His people in the fire of affliction. And we learn that the forces of evil appear to have the upper hand. These three men did not have many friends. Maybe they didn't have any friends. But if they had any, friends seem to evaporate rather quickly when there's a threat of suffering, pain, and in this case, death. Who wanted to be associated with these three guys? They did not bow to the king. No one was stepping up to Nebuchadnezzar and saying, really, Mr. King, would you not give these men a break? They're very faithful guys, and they have their own conviction, and they just don't want to bow down before your image. And if you could only cut them some slack, no one said that. Because if they had have opened their mouth, they would have been in the fire before the three. So friends are few when it comes to a time of persecution. It appeared that all was against them. The king, the political structure of governors and sheriffs, and society as a whole, because they were marching to the beat of the music and they did not appreciate those or any who were going to make waves to upset their peace. And there was a society that just wanted to get back to their own sin. And they were annoyed at this. You remember Mordecai, the days of Esther, when Mordecai refused to bow down before Haman. Haman was infuriated about this because this Jew would not humble himself and so, because of that, what did Haman do? He devised the wholesale slaughter of every Jew in the whole empire. It seems, and it seemed in that day, that Haman was getting the upper hand, that the devil was going to have his way and eliminate the line of Christ. And he had tried that a number of times. And the three Hebrew men here, they were charged with non-compliance. The machinery of this forced conformity was put into full operation, resulting in their arrest, their conviction, and the sentencing of them being guilty. They were at the will of the king. All appeared for them to be hopeless. And they were bound. They were taken to the brink of the furnace. And they were unable to escape. Anyone viewing that scene would have said, there is no chance. 
There is no hope. It is over for them. They will be consumed. But I say to you, if you and I were there standing looking at the picture, we would have thought the very same thing. There is no hope for these guys. They're finished. There are appearances in this world when the devil has the upper hand and he's going to win the day. He's going to win the victory. And when those appearances come, friends, let us think again about Christ standing with you in the fire of your affliction. Maybe you found yourself in some situation like that when all around you seemed to be completely hopeless. There was no way out. This will be, you thought to yourself, my destruction. When this is concluded by the circumstances, something happened. And the eye of faith and the Holy Spirit came to open your understanding more clearly about where you were and in whose hand you were being held and the power of a sovereign God in your life and that you need not fear the appearances. If so be, the God whom we serve will deliver us, but if not, that was the word of faith from them. And that's the word of faith for you and I tonight. When it appears in our life, in our church, in our society, that the devil is in the victory lane, and that we are being drawn in with these cables that he binds us with, and he's going to take us away to destruction. Friend, be sure that at such a time as that you trust in the Lord with all your heart and you lean not unto your own understanding. For when Satan appears to have us beaten, we see a greater plan, the plan of our Lord, who knows the end from the beginning. And we are brought at such a time to rest in him, We're brought at such a time to be at peace in our souls because we know Him. And we have trusted that He has a purpose for our life that we might not know completely yet. And our God has strong hands. He has omnipotent arms. And we are held by Him. And we never need to fear. Yes, God Fearing people are not immune from persecution. And there are times when it seems the devil has the victory. Number three, let us learn that Christ is with us no matter how hot the trial. The illustration before us of the Lord's presence in this extreme persecution It gives to us a very vivid picture of the promise of our Lord when He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In fact, the hotter the issue for us, the more conscious we can be that God is with us in the time of our need. When the prophet Isaiah was in the heat of trial... God promised him in chapter 43 
that the flame would not kindle upon him. In other words, it will have no lasting, eternal impact. Now, we know that there are many who have gone through the fires of martyrdom. We have thought before of John Huss. We have considered William Tyndale, the man through God that we owe much of the Bible that we have in our hand today. And yet these men, they were burned to the death. The worst the devil could do to them was to take away flesh and blood. But their eternal soul was secured in their God, and Christ was with them in the fire and in the hottest part of the flame. And this is our hope tonight. This is our confidence. For though we have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin, whatever may come, friend, whatever door opens that we are ushered through by the compelling strains of our God, the Savior has pledged Himself to be with us and to be with us unto the very end. And we have no need of fear. Our Savior is with us in the very hottest part of our trial. Can you tonight receive comfort from that? In your time of peace and ease now, let us be reassured and have it reaffirmed to our hearts that our Lord will never leave us And when we think the devil's getting the victory, know that our God is stronger and greater and more powerful, and He has promised that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. That's our hope tonight. It's your hope. And we can stand and rest and rejoice in that great promise. But we also learn in the fourth place that in the heat of persecution, we have liberty to walk with our Savior. In the hottest trial of our life, friend, God gives us liberty to walk with our God. Is it not a striking thing? In fact, it's a strange thing that we should be given this fact in the context that when Nebuchadnezzar looked in and he saw them, he saw four men, but he saw them loose and walking. Why did it not just say that he saw four men and he called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out? But he saw them at liberty. He saw them without the bonds that Nebuchadnezzar, the devil, had put around them. And he beheld them walking in the fire. Well, the Spirit has a good reason for giving us these facts. Because when they were thrown into the fire, they appeared helpless and hopeless. And certainly far from any liberty... But see how God works, and He smiles. 
at the worst that Satan can do to his people and to his church. These three were, well, I'll call them heroes of the faith. They were unable to do the least in rescuing themselves. They were helpless. They were without hope by any power they had of self. But you know, friend, when we are at the very weakest time in our life, and we've been brought to the hottest fire of our tribulation, it is then that we know the sweetest liberty in prayer. It is then that we will know the immediate sense of our Savior walking with us. There will be a peace and calmness over us that will not appear normal, and indeed it will not be normal. Any of the onlookers would say, in shock and dismay, how can that person behave that way? But it's not of us. We know it is of our God in us. We know it is the Holy Spirit that is working, and we are tied up by the devil's crowd. But we are liberated and we are loosed by the Spirit of God. Believer, in the time of our greatest bereavement, in the time of our deepest river to cross, a heartbreak that we imagine never can we be rescued from, it is there that we will know the Lord standing by our side. It is there that we will know the precious fellowship of the King of Kings at our side. It is then that we will know the joy and peace of walking with our Savior. We'll be oblivious then to the terror that is all around us because our God gives us such sweet peace. Mr. Spurgeon observed that many of God's servants never know the fullness of spiritual liberty till they are cast into the midst of the furnace. Have you experienced that? If not yet, one day and maybe soon, Please notice, number five, that at the end of it all, the fire of trial has only as much impact on us as our loving Father allows. Satan would have destroyed Job in a moment but he could not. He could only go as far as God permitted him to go. But the sword of Herod was allowed to kill James. And these three Hebrew men in the fire of Babylon, fueled by the hatred of an angry king, 
It did not singe one hair of their head, and it did not have the smell of smoke on any of their clothing. This was something supernatural. It was a miracle. And when we study these cases, we are shown that God sometimes, unknown in the purposes that He has, He allows one to suffer, He allows one to die, and He allows three to escape any hurt. Was one better than the other? Was one more worthy than the other? No, friend, all were righteous. All of these men were holy men of God. All of them were men of faith that walked with the Lord in their times of peace. But all of them had a different course and plan that the sovereign God intended for their life. And why? I don't know why. And you don't know why. And we won't know until we get to glory to answer that question. But you can know the peace today and now, the peace of resting that our God does all things well, and He does everything in our life for a purpose and for His glory, and that we must walk in the light that He has given to us. And that answer of God's sovereignty Yes, we have to admit it often goes beyond our understanding, and it won't be until eternity. We know the full story. Sense would say to you tonight, it's not fair. But faith responds with Joshua and Caleb, let us go up at once and believe our God and trust in Him, for He is well able to make us overcomers against the enemy." May God give us the spirit of a Caleb, a spirit of a Jacob, or of Joshua, rather. Finally tonight, we can expect that what the devil intends for our destruction, that Christ will work it for our good. And when we know this, and when we rest in that truth, we're able to keep going through thick and thin. Because, believer, tonight our God will never do us any harm. Can we understand that? Can we receive that? He loves us too much. And all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to His purpose. Because if our Father in heaven spared not His only begotten Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not freely with Him give us all things? This is our God, and He always intends our best. And where we see it, we may rejoice. And where we receive it joyfully, we might say, Thank you, Lord, you've made me understand that. 
but where we are struggling to see it. That's where we need the Spirit's help. And that's where we must wait in prayer. That is the place where we must be on our faces before God, humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, conform my heart to Your image. Change my thinking to Your way. Because then I will see what Your perfect plan is. I will have a grasp of its truth. And I'll be able, by Your grace and strength, out of weakness, to be made strong in Him. Let's bow, please, for prayer. I've been speaking tonight to believers, but I wonder, friend, if you're here listening online, maybe hearing this service a later period, and you're not saved. God gives you another opportunity, but now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. I pray you will come humbly with repentance of heart and call out to Jesus to save your soul. Father, hear our prayers tonight. Encourage our hearts. Write the Word on each one of our souls. Lord, we need to be taught. I do. I know it. I need to be instructed in the ways of faith. I need, Lord, to see more clearly when things happen that I'm not prepared for. And I don't quite get it at the time. Lord, give us faith. Increase our faith. Strengthen us to walk with our God. So, Father, bless us now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing, please, a hymn in closing, number 630. Jesus, Savior, Pilate, guide me. We'll stand, please, to sing.
Lord, part us now, we pray, in your fear, in your blessing. Blessed Holy Spirit, go in front of us every moment of the day. Keep us from temptation and sin. Open the door of witnessing. Teach us, Lord, and show us how to point men and women to Christ. Help us when we face the obstacles and the fires of opposition, that we will walk by faith and not by sight. Hear us tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.